Oh, okay, Eric. So tell me what you just told me before. Yeah, that, that I've been integrating key pointers that uh, we've talked about, especially uh, the don't jumping overboard has been really useful. Uh, with combined with uh, um, using my my C legs and also not getting bored with meditation. And um, I'm, I've just been in a nice mood and I have been avoiding all sorts of problems. Congratulations. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> that, uh, it's, it's good to make <laughs> What did you say? Congratulations to you too for being a good teacher. Ah. <laughs> so, um, one of the things then that we can work with on this is to actually massage that feeling of success. Mm -hmm. That it is, uh, it's the primary problem with Western Buddhism is, is that they don't have this Sama Sankapa is the Pali word for okay? And that there are many words that we can use in English for this, like get your mojo. Okay. Uh, in Thai, they call it Chi Wit Chi Wai. There's that word chi which is also in the word tai chi okay uh so way, one way of saying it is not actually correct but it has uh an indication or the direction that we're going in, and that is the lust for life okay or gusto of living fully and then really enjoying the heck out of it. This is where this practice is taking us, practice of Dhanna Pranasati, is um, actually not to stay at the pinnacle, but at least to visit the pinnacle often enough that you know you could do it, that you could go right to the top of humanity. You're the very best there is. You could go right to the top. You could do it. Okay, that's that confidence that, that we have. Um, that in fact, in Tainan, one of the things that I learned, it's, it's common knowledge, but for the Westerners, it would be kind of a secret ingredient. And that is, is that when I was trained by Achan Po and Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, they taught me in the way that you are bhikkhu. You are bhikkhu. Bhikkhus are better human beings than everybody else. That even in the Thai society, the hierarchy is the king way up there. And then monks are the next level of strata. Okay, they're the most respected. Okay, so up in that area of the Thai part of Thai society would be then below the monks would be like generals in the army, well-known college professors, of the country comes under the monks. And then everybody else filtering down is under that. But this is the status of monks. But this is not a status in the sense of a status in the Western way. It's the attitude of a monk. That you are, in fact, better than everybody in this country except for one dude. Try to get <laughs> that respect. 
And so that actually helped me to understand that I'm not below any of the politicians or any of the people in society or any of the Elon Musk or whoever's got money. They're not better than I am. But we're not equal either. There's nothing about Elon Musk except his will to do, which is what we're talking about here, is that, that lust for life. He is absolutely intent on bringing all of the entire world into electric vehicles, and he's going to do it. He knows he can do it. The problem is, is that he's miserable along the way. If he would have the attitude of, I'm the best tester car there is, and I can do this, and I can handle it with great, um, let us say, joy, aplomb, that we're above the world. This is part of the idea of being a locatara. We're above it, which means that we're incomparable, just like the Dhamma is considered priceless, no price to it. You cannot charge for a retreat because you're giving something that's really priceless. If the students understand that the gift that they're given is priceless, it is incomparable. Then when you have that, that you have possession of and the ability to go into the very pinnacle peak of the human mind, the very best there is, you've got it. This is the attitude that we're going for. Okay? And it starts with the noble right view of is this a hindrance or not? Once we remove the hindrance, then we gladden the mind. Well, that gladdening of the mind process. Excuse me. It's, it's starting to rain here. Can you uh, move your mic microphone closer to your mouth? Yes, okay. Thank you. Is that, is that better? Okay. So, uh, starting with the gladdening of the mind, we, we build that as a skill, and when that skill goes to its pinnacle, it's got that attitude, that can-do attitude. You're on top of the world. You've got it made. This is it. Whatever a human being can do, you've got it. Okay? Uh, it's, it's difficult to put into words. Uh, yeah. I remember one time... Uh, Oh, several years ago. It's raining louder again. Raining? Raining louder, like louder than 10 seconds before. So I need I need you to speak a little bit louder. I'm sorry, uh, my my headphones got wet, so I don't have, I just have the laptop speakers. How about now? Do you hear that noise now? Yeah, I'll just be closer to, to a laptop. <laughs> Okay, I don't I don't hear anything uh, back on oh, my side. Can you, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. I was telling you that I'll just be closer to a laptop because my earphones got wet. I don't have I just have the speakers. Okay, let me give you something uh, as a test. How is it now? It's good. Okay, now I, I'm going to make a change. Okay, I've just changed it. How is it now? Is this any better? Yeah, yeah. Also, the, the rain is irregular, so now, now we're good. So, best to keep a high volume, please. Okay, how about now? This is the yeah. third way of doing it. Is this good? It's good. It's good. Huh? 
This is it's good. good. Okay. All right. So let's go back and talk about this change of attitude that every human being is born as a tender infant, not where each one of us is not capable of taking care of ourselves. Right from our very first breath, we're pissed off. We don't like it. Every baby cries in pain. We don't cry when we're in the womb. In fact, the joke is, is that I remember it very well. There I was in my uh, warm, enclosed hot tub. And it was nice and gushy and soft and everything. And all of a sudden, the earthquake happened. The bottom dropped out of it. The next thing I know, this Dr. Young has grabbed me by the heels and is beating my ass. Well, I let out a yell so loud that I didn't stop yelling till I was about 35 years old, right? That's how we all go into the world, kicking and screaming and feel abused. How could we come out of that feeling and come into the feeling of hot dog, I've got a world here to play with? By realizing that we can relax. Mm -hmm. And then doing it. Yeah, that we can handle this, that we've got it, that this is a toy to play with. Well, you see, when we're little kids, the age of two and three, we really like to play. We're very, very interested in exploring the world. But somehow in our society, that's taken away from us, and we're giving a pencil and paper to substitute. Do your homework. Do your one, two, threes. Clean up your room and all of that. And we lose that... Uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed curiosity. And what it turns into is doubt. And what we need to do then in part of our practice is to change that, curio uh, change that doubt into curiosity. There's a difference, you know. It's the attitude that we have is what makes it different. The doubt is, oh, no, I don't know what this is. And the curiosity is, hot dog, let me figure out what that is. Yeah. And doubt yeah. is, I don't know what it is, so maybe it can hurt me. I don't know what it is. It can hurt me. Precisely. This is, in fact, uh, almost uh, hardwired into our DNA. Anything we don't know might be dangerous. But, in fact, the, uh, the instinct is referred to as the territorial instinct, that I feel safe in my territory with my clan or my tribe, but outside of my tribe is unknown. And because I don't know it, I don't know what to do with it, I don't know how to handle it, and therefore it must be dangerous. And so you see that with politicians in the sense of, well, we gotta vote for the, uh, for the devil we know rather than the devil we don't. Or, Humans feel more comfortable when they know something. And or, guess um, what? You're not ever going to know everything, which means that you are going to be confronted with ignorance your whole life. Every day there's going to be something coming by that we don't know, and our natural response is, is to be afraid of it. And here you are practicing just the opposite. Practicing Dhamma now not going by the instincts, we're going by wisdom. 
And so that means that we can turn every doubt into a curiosity. Let me look at that. Let me investigate it. Let me see what's going on. But we do that with that attitude of can do. I've got it. I've got that chi. I got the mojo. I'm ready to go. And the thing that I feel that uh, complements that very well is what you just said in the beginning about massaging the excitement or massaging, what did you say, the, the good feelings, the, the pinnacle. The pinnacle. Because when, you're, when I'm not paying attention and I get too excited, then that becomes uh, a tense attention in the muscles. And then uh, you said in the last video, you can either melt into satisfaction or melt into discursive thought. So it would be like that second thing. Yes. So, it's, and the best part about it is you've got a choice. And we are kind of taught, no, this is the way things are. You don't have a choice. You've got a destiny. You've got a job to do. Your script is already written for you by the time you're an adult. Your life script, the plan, the destiny, okay? That in fact, uh, in the, I think it's in the Tao Te Ching, where it says is that your thought will bring on speech. Your speech brings on habit. Your habit brings, uh, excuse me, it brings on action. Your actions bring on habit, and habit brings on your destiny. So we create our destiny with the thoughts that we have. And so we have to start changing our thoughts to change our destiny. That's why it's a difficult question to ask, who are you? Because you're a moving target. You can change. You're not who you thought you were. And who we think we are, it means that we're defining it into a life script or into a destiny because we keep repeating it over and over again. But when we wake up, we can recognize we can change this. We can change it from, oh, life is hard into life is easy. We can say, oh, I don't enjoy my life, into, wow, this is life. Okay, so this is the way that we're beginning to learn to practice is, is going in this direction of, we've got it, the pinnacle. What is the highest human attainment? That's what we're doing. Going right to the top of humanity. Mm -hmm. And just to tie it with, uh, we were talking about progress the last time, and the the way I found like to reformulate it and still not toss away the word is that uh, when I'm practicing correctly, if the mind moment before that was unwholesome, then this one is better than the previous one. And if it was wholesome, then it's still better than the previous one because it's it's something that builds up. So it's right. like a like a continuous progress, but then progress loses meaning because it's always progressing. Right. But what is making the progress though is the skill, the training. That's mm. what progresses. But that's an abstraction. Like in the present moment, that doesn't like apply because it's just one point in time. 
Right. Because right now, as we're developing the skill, it's because we're massaging it or we're building or we're pumping iron in the mind. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't get that. Like, to me, if you say pumping iron, it's different than massaging. Uh, well, both of them have the quality of that while you're doing the activity of doing the massage or while you're doing the activity of pumping iron, you're developing the skill. And the sense of pumping the iron means that you're developing that muscle. That as you're pumping iron, by, by putting some effort into it, it actually, physiologically, some of those muscle cells die own to be replaced by brand new ones who have the history of pumping iron. Okay, so that's that's the whole point is is that we actually are rearranging the 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 body in the sense of old muscles die and new muscle cells are born. That's including neurons. That we're actually in a way rewiring the brain and we're rewiring it for success because we spent our whole lives firing it up for failure, being dissatisfied, wanting things we don't have, taking revenge, getting even, all of that kind of stuff. And to now, we're putting in a new set of neurons that are built upon that muscle development, in this case of massaging, as you're saying, and that practice then builds that attitude out of being a victim into being a champion, being the winner, getting that attitude that you can handle anything, okay, that you can go to the top, you can reach those pinnacles, and by the way, that pinnacle, the po the poly word would be the pity, is when you feel, feel so good that you just tingle all over with delight. And so like I was saying one time, several years ago, I was laying in bed with those kind of thoughts. And then all of a sudden I had to thought, this is it. It was like, bang. It was like, hey, I can be happy and joyful anytime I want to be. I remember during those times when I was laughing basically nonstop. Two weeks, all I could do was just howl with laughter. <laughs> I got this. Wow, look at this thing. <laughs> and this is what I'm inviting the students to do is to start having the thoughts of the positive success. Get that mojo. Get that up to where I can do this. I can make this mind noble. I can join the crowd of folks like Buddhas. I am up there with Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. And in fact, that was what Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa was saying in his very late years. He was saying everybody, anyone, can be a Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. Now, he meant that. He knew what he was talking about. It wasn't an ego trip. It was the fact that here you have all of these hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of Thai people who hold him in great respect, but they're also doing that from a victim's position. He's up there and we are down here. And he says, no, no, do not respect me that way. You respect me by coming up here with me. 
and I got that. You become that Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. You become that Buddha. You are that Buddha. You are already enlightened, the Zen folks say. There's nothing to do and no place to go. You're already there. So we take a deep breath and say, wow, I made it. I got it. This is it. Yeah. No place to go what, and nothing to do. I'm at the top of human existence. What makes me feel uh, half-baked on that regard in many occasions is that um, I feel tired or I feel that I'm expressing some tension. Like, for example, today I was at the bank standing up in line and I felt like I was crumbling a bit. And I thought that if not not dramatically, but that I couldn't hold uh, a position like a lion, you know, that I, that I was a bit wimpy. And well, yeah, but lions rest. Lions spend most of their time laying down in the lion's pose or maybe they're up on their haunches, but they're not running around and chasing around except when they're on the hunt. Mm -hmm. So don't think that you've got to be on the hunt all the time. It's okay to be tired and enjoy being tired. Mm -hmm, I like, could be tired in a very noble way. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's okay to be But tired. I, I think that I was applying like the wholesome ordinary way because I was like expressing tiredness and, and I was like, I don't care. I can express being tired, but still like in a grumpy mood. But I, I feel like if I think this is a new toy to play with, it would be like more joyful. Yes, I, exactly. Mm -hmm. The tiredness is just another toy to play with. Yeah. Let me piddle with it. Let me make it more tired. Let me make it less tired. Can I move the tiredness up in this part of the body and be healthy below? And can I move the tiredness down to the bottom part of the body and be healthy at the top? So we begin to take that tiredness and play with it. Or stiffness of joints, which happens when people get elderly. Okay, and we begin to understand that we can play with that. It's just a new toy. It's like a, a, a new feature, like we've been using the Internet, and now all of a sudden we've got HBO. What is the HBO? Muscle pain. <laughs> It's a new toy to play with. But we are raised from childhood to not like bodily sensations. Little children cry a lot. They don't like the sensations. What happens naturally or normally with, with children is, is that we stop paying attention to the body because we don't like how the body feels. It feels hunger. It feels hot. It feels pain. It feels tired. It feels all of these sensations that we don't like. But when you have that mojo, And those feelings come, we can say, hot dog, let's look at that one too. A new friend come by. Mm -hmm. Pain in the arm. A new friend. Got to pay attention to it. And it's like, whoa, pain. Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah, wow, pain. I can handle that. But mm. you see, the immediate attitude is, oh, poor me, I have pain. I don't like it. I can't take it. I can't handle it. I don't like it. And we fall right immediately into victim's position, which is our habit. Mm -hmm. Now we can have the thought, which goes along with the attitude or our destiny. This is it, oh, I don't like it. We can handle it in the sense of, oh, I can. 
yeah, I could put an arm sling on or I could watch the movements of the arm or whatever the problem is and I can take care of it happily. Yeah, I think um, that our, my attitude gets affected when I don't catch the moment, I don't catch that my mind is leaning towards uh, dissatisfaction. So when something happens and it's already fallen, it's like the thing has momentum already in it. And you tend right. to think like, ah, ah. That's the samasankapa. That's the leaning. You could think of it actually that then gravity takes over. You heard the story about the, the tree that what, when the tree is cut down or the wind, maybe the wind blowing over is not a good example, but when the cut tree, when the tree is cut down, it falls. What direction does it fall on? Does it fall yeah. on the house and tear up the property? Or does it fall exactly where you want it to fall? Mm -hmm. The answer is, is that you cut the tree so that it leans in the way you want it to fall. If you can get that analogy, then you can understand, oh, we can then decide how we're going to lean our own life. Okay, mm -hmm. so each thought then of cutting the tree is like every little thing that we do with the saw is the thought. And we keep cutting those thoughts so that the tree will lean a certain direction. So when the final cutting is done, it falls right where we want it to fall. And the tree would be the sensations or the emotions in that case? Uh, well, ultimately, it's all attitude. Ultimately, it's all the thoughts that we have, the cutting of the tree, the leaning of the tree, and the falling of the tree, all has to do with right attitude. Starting with the thought. Remember this little sequence. The thought leads to the speech. The speech leads to the actions. The actions lead to habits. The habits then lead to our destiny. And so we create our own destiny, but we don't understand that process. We don't understand that we're actually creating our destiny. And most people create our destiny by the time we're in school. First graders have a particular destiny. I remember precisely the day that my destiny of mathematics, which wound up me with a double major of computer science and math and then owned an electrical engineering degree, right? It happened in the second grade when the teacher gave me an outstanding on some math quiz or something. And I got that mojo for math right then and there in that second grade. I can do this. And so that's my um, attitude about algebra. From time to time, uh, uh, we see uh, on the internet, uh, the, uh, on YouTube, the shorts, and they'll come up with some math example. Most people just watch the example without thinking it through. What I do is I'll stop the uh, uh, the video and work out that math problem. The, this is normally training for SATs, you know, the getting into university, and so they got really interesting math problems. And I like that. I'll stop that and work that out and get the right answer before I'll turn the video back on to see what they say the right answer is and look at how they're doing the math and whatnot like that. 
that's the joy that I have because it came from that one time when I got an outstanding from that teacher. That teacher gave me a gift beyond imagination comparable. Most important, I think one of the very most important gifts that I got with a child was that grade of outstanding. They normally do A, B, C, D, E's and A pluses and that kind of stuff. But she gave me an outstanding. At least that was in my mind. And that gave me that mentality. But I can't do this. I didn't have that with English or spelling or uh, al- uh, 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 geography or anything else. But I got it with math. But I can do it. Now, how many people do you know that have that attitude about math? And look how many years they spent in algebra and arithmetic and all of that. And everybody's got math and everybody has the attitude, oh, math is hard. I can't do it. How many people do you know that actually know that they can do math? A couple, like 10 maybe. Maybe 10 out of how many thousands of people <laughs> do you know? <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> So we're taking that same thing and rec- and saying, wait a minute, even though as a child I developed a bad attitude about math or a bad attitude about reading, that reading is hard or this is hard or whatever like that, we can change that attitude when we're adults. Consciously change that attitude. This is what the Eightfold Noble Path is really all about. That winds up with that lion can do it. I'm in charge here. I've got this wired. So we could go to that peak anytime that we want to. How do we go there? Well, it's the same process of gladdening the mind, except that when you're skilled at it, you gladden the mind right to the top. (laughs) Got it. I don't know how to talk about it. I guess uh, uh, Lao Tzu is right when he says that the Dhamma that can be expressed is not the real Dhamma. Because I'm trying to give to you a feeling that very, very few people have. The feeling of, got it, can do it. I mean, I'm listening to you and I think I can get in contact with that. uh, It's just that in these videos, you say so many uh, important, useful things that at some point right now, after 35 minutes, I feel like I'm I'm full of, of um, good words. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then exactly. like in a couple of days later, like I will listen to all the, like all the, most of the emotional energy, I don't know, like, in, attentional energy you, you might say i've already used up and right now i'm coasting but uh in a couple of days i'll be able to pay attention more to what you're saying right now okay all right so you so you started your uh little spiel in the victim's position but you ended up with i can do it mm-hmm like, that's what I was saying before, like, um, maybe I'm living the unho- unwholesome emotions. Like, I know I can come away out of that, come out of I that. I know that I can come out of that. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. part of it. But I haven't integrated the new toy to play with because right now I could apply it, but I'm not doing it. 
Well, but you you will remember how I'm saying it, mm -hmm. the emphasis that I'm putting on it, and about how good it is, and how good you feel when you know that you've got something mastered. Mm -hmm. Okay, I would say that if you were a concert pianist <laughs> doing a concert, at the end of the concert, most of the really good pianists, world-class piano players, when they get when they finish the piece, they get up and take a bow while the the crowd is cheering, and they they get a great deal of response from that from that crowd, but there's also a quality of relief. Wow, I'm glad I made it through that piece of music. Yeah. But sometimes right in the middle of the music is when the uh, musician is still playing it. And that's when he gets that feeling of, I've got this, okay? That sometimes it happens when the musician is walking out on the stage and all the people are clapping and cheering, and he's about to sit down and play, or uh, stand and play the violin concerto, and he knows it. He knows that he can play this thing correctly. He's done it so many times before. And so that's when that mojo kicks in, and that's part of the performance. This is why uh, in music they call it uh, practice, performance, and play. The skill of the playing of the music and performing the music is the same. What changes is the attitude. And the attitude of the play is, I've got this. I've got it. To where the performance is, i got to watch everything that I'm doing to make sure that it's right. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> and so we need to graduate from that performance so um, we practice Anapanasana. I want to uh, focus in on that. Uh -huh. Like the the difference between those two things, because when I think, like, I, I think briefly, I've got this, but then um, that becomes a concept, and I try to, like, see the details, and I fall into what you're saying now. I gotta make sure everything's right. Uh-huh. So you're still at the performance level of making sure that you've got everything right. Okay, so the new change of attitude is, well, of course I've got everything right. I don't have to manage it or work at it anymore. It's part of my nature now. I've got a new habit, a new destiny. Because I spent so much time with a new way of thinking and a new way of acting. And so I develop a new habit pattern system so that I change that destiny. Okay, Maybe and what is I your swear. destiny? You are the king of your own world. That's your destiny. You're an emperor even. <laughs> You're on top of the world. You've got it wired. That's, it's an attitude that is developed but it takes a skill and it takes effort and it takes repeating over and over and over again. That when one of the ways, in fact, that you can start changing the brightening of the mind is to start using words like, this is it. I've got it. 
oh, wow, this is something like that. <laughs> so the beginner has to start at the state of, oh, nothing to do and no place to go and everything is okay. But we keep practicing that over and over and over again until this mojo kicks in, this attitude kicks in. And that attitude is then, wow. Or the attitude is, got it. Mm-hmm. Or the attitude is, yeehaw. <laughs> and, and, and it's an acceleration. Mm-hmm. It's the peak of human experience. It's the top tier. And this is what we call pity. But right now, what I feel is like that would be too much work. And what's easier is nothing, nothing to do, nowhere to go. Right, nothing to do, no place to go, but yeah. that grows on its own. That yeah, yeah. attitude of no place to go and nothing to do and I've got it, then begins to build. This is the weight of the uh, uh, the skill that's being developed. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like, let's say that if I have a couple of seconds of, wow, this is great, and then I feel like I lose it, then it's easier to go but back and, and, and start from Exactly. It doesn't last very long, but when it's there, get a load of it. Notice mm-hmm. it well. Mm-hmm. And then, after you've lost it, you can say, never mind, I can do that again. Mm-hmm. Never mind, I can do it again. Never mind, I can do it again. Or as Goenka would say, never mind, start again. <laughs> Repeating over and over and over again, because we've got to rewire this neurological system that has been programmed for years in I can't, or I'm not good enough, or this is hard, or I need, I need a day off for rest, or whatever like that. But it always comes from a state of, ta-da! dissatisfaction but how high can your satisfaction grow the answer to it is right to the top and it always takes just the right amount of effort the least amount of effort necessary to get the job done And that almost, as we progress, turns into energy itself. An example of that would be uh, not you're paying attention to the computer or to your ear or to the sounds in the other room or whatever it is like that. And then we can say, wait a minute. I really good right now. And, uh, t- and the, the breath comes along with that. The, 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 the deep breath is no longer an effort. It's the thing that happens automatically on its own. We're rewiring mm-hmm. that habit pattern. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the relief. All right. All That's right. another one. Right. When we set down the burden in this moment, relief. Oh, what a relief it is. There was an old commercial years ago for Alka-Seltzer. Have you ever heard of Alka-Seltzer? They had a jingle. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly the way that we're going to have Anapanasati is drop by drop. We begin to fizz and then, oh, what a relief this is. 
So we keep practicing over and over and over again, drop by drop by drop by drop by drop. Plopping it in. Got this. Soon we begin to fizz with that uh, energy. Begin to practice with the breathing, getting the body really vibrantly alive, get it tingling alive, which is really helped by doing that breathing so that we breathe ourselves into being fully awake, fully alert, fully oxygenated. And then we take that feeling and put the attitude to it. Got it. Wow, this is life. I've been living all of this time half dead. And now what I know is how to be actually alive right now, completely alive in this moment. And I'm as good as anybody, but I don't have to compare myself with anybody anymore. So the way that I talk about it is imagine a, um, a mathematical equation, perhaps a line of Fortran, where you have X is equal to some function or whatever like that. And now the, the point is, is then with mathematics, they call it an equation because it's got an equal sign there. But in more higher mathematics, we actually piddle with that sign, like a greater than an equal or a greater than sign or a less than sign, or how about an equivalency rather than an equal sign? Well, the sign that we're going to put in there is we're going to take out that equal sign and put a heart in it. So that A and is not equal to B, it's just A is friends of B. <laughs> And we and we bring that quality to it that we're not comparing ourselves anymore. We're not seeing less than's and greater than's or equals or any of that. We're just seeing, wow, what a wonderful place and everything in it is in love. That in fact, this happens to some students when there are kids in school. That some people will call it pu puppy love. But some people, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love and love, you know, the songs that are like that. It's like, oh, this can't get any better. I think you've had those experiences. We have those sometimes when we meet a new girl or we fall in love or whatever like this. And we feel literally on top of the world. Right? Okay. We could develop that feeling so that we can actually control it. Because it wasn't the girl who did that to you at all. It's what you did in your own mind. So let's get that. Okay. Everybody has those peak moments. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. So we could cultivate that feeling. And how, how often do you decide to feel that way? <laughs> anytime you want to, anytime you think about it, anytime you remember, because mm -hmm. the satis kicks this stuff into going with the gladdening of the mind and taking the deep breath, and then kind of the chills come. Mm -hmm. Ooh, goosebumps. Oh, this feels so good. Yeah. Okay. So all of this is actually anapanasati that needs to be practiced. And the whole range of it is missing in Western meditation. 
that very rarely do you find meditation teachers who speak in a way that everybody in the room wants to stand up and wave their arms and swing together and clap their hands. And I mean, music will do that to us. Why can't we do that in our own mind? Why do we let music have to do all of the work? And look how many times, I mean, look how many, they have concerts and all over the place, rock concerts, people, why do they go to a rock concert? To hear the music? They go to the concert so that that sympathetic joy of the musicians, when they're dancing all over the stage, they've got it, they're mojo and they're just stars, right? And then everybody in the crowd goes along with that and they cheer and everybody feels really, really good. It just happened to cost them 50 or $100 to do that. And then they don't know how to repeat it. Okay. That in fact, that's part of the reason why people are, uh, they like to go to hear music. It's not really the music itself. It's the fact that the performer is actually in that state. Okay, uh, one of the famous musicians that was doing that quite often, his name was um, James Brown. Do you know James Brown? He's dead now. But when he was on stage, everybody knew it. Michael Jackson had a little of that also with his moonwalk and whatever. But really what it was is it was his attitude that got it. Attitude. Marley, too. Bob Marley, there's another one, okay? Also, some uh, classical musicians are like that. He's, he's, he's an old guy now, I forgot his name. Uh, another one that I know of in music was Rubenstein. Rubenstein had that, uh, we could call it lust for life, but it's not lust because we've got that life. Live your life with gusto. And this is one of the reasons why it said of live this moment as if you, if it were your last moment. One question there. Is it something like when, when I think of delight, I feel like I can identify like a thread of it. And then you let, you let it grow and then mm -hmm. it, it goes dimmer, but you always like keep it, you always touch it lightly. Everything is temporary. Anicca Vata Sankara. Everything. This is a peak. It's a pinnacle, and you no. don't stay there. Mm -hmm. No, I know, but what I what I'm asking is that if the pinnacle is just the same thing, being allowed to vibrate like in a higher or in a wider way, and then it goes dimmer, but it's still like a continuous thing. Like if you well, continue paying I'm attention sure to it. about that, maybe it can go away. It can, mm -hmm. it can possibly go away for two weeks and then you remember and then up you go again. Mm -hmm. But if it goes away, it's because I, I let it go. Because you let it go. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You've gone back into the hindrances. You've gone back into the victim's position, gone back into our ordinary destiny rather than remembering that we have to practice getting the mind right, get it exalted, get it top notch. And that is with that attitude of I could do it. 
do it. It's a toy to play with. Success. So we could see either the word success as a kind of an ordinary word that we do all along, like she was successful at washing the dishes or something like that. But then there is this noble way of looking at success, the sense of the way that we feel successful. Got it. So in that way, it's not that I am better or less than this guy that's got money. It's just that we're not comparable. Stop comparing. He doesn't have a chance. I'm not better. I just love the guy. <laughs> I just love the guy, right. I don't have to, yeah. Don't have to be envious. An example of that is I don't have to be envious of Elon Musk either for his mojo, because he's got it, or his wealth, because he's got it. Or his engineering knowledge. He's got that. And I don't have any of those things. But I've got something he doesn't have. And I was wondering what would Elon Musk be if I had him as a student? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'd al we'd yeah. already be on Mars. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would be a good thing is, is that he enjoyed the heck out of what he's doing. That's the difference is, is that he is putting that mojo into places that are mundane. They're ordinary. If he put that mojo into life itself. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk ties into a question that I had regarding uh, projects and things that I would want to do. Like, um, if you have an idea and something that you are able to do and want to do it, uh, when deciding whether, for example, to pursue that project or uh, plot my escape and join a, a Sangha, like physically. Uh... Either one, you see. The point mm -hmm. is, is that in, in either case, you have the, t the twin quality of I can do it. And also the second quality, and I can enjoy the heck out of it because I'm that good at it. Then what you wind up doing is worthy of investigation, worthy of applying the wisdom because it didn't matter which one you were going to do, you're going to be the world's champion at whatever you decide to do. <laughs> it's still hard to believe, but I'm getting there. <laughs> That's the whole point. It's a change of belief, a change of attitude. But I don't like to use the word belief so much. Partly because the Christians have just destroyed the word. Because belief now, because of Christianity, means that you believe something without any evidence at all. That's what they mean by taking things on faith. We don't take anything by faith. We don't believe in anything. We believe in success. <laughs> <laughs> 
we believe that I can do it. That's what the belief is. But that's built upon the knowledge of prior successes. You do it over and over and over and over again, successfully over and over and over again. And then that attitude slowly grows. Oh, I can do it again. One more time, I can do it again. Oh, I can do it again. And as we do that, it's like coming closer and closer to that pinnacle. And when the pinnacle gets really close, then we begin to get the idea, I could do that too. One step at a time, building up that skill, that skill of being a winner, that skill of the Sama Sankapa, the skill of got it. Mm -hmm. So we start thinking about that. Yeah, I can gladden my mind all the way to the top. I got it. You're already enlightened. Just sit there and go, wow, finally I'm enlightened. I also think that I prefer to explore those highs like in, in privacy. Like even right now, I'm thinking too much about what pace I'm, I'm making. Mm-hmm. And like if I close this laptop, I think that it would be uh, easier. Well, right. What you're doing is you're trying to figure it out by comparing it to that which you already know. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's typical. We do all of that. But guess what? What we're practicing here, you don't have a whole lot of experience. So there's no reason to try to plug it in. Just keep climbing higher and higher and higher. One step at a time. One breath at a time. I've got this. One breath at a time. I've got it. Another breath. I got this one too. I've got this thing. I got it. I could do this. And the first step along the way is the knowledge that no matter how obstructed with hindrances the mind becomes, I can throw that out, come back to the state, being joyful and glad. Uh, Now that you mentioned climbing, um, I hadn't... I would like to, it's just that I have a fear rooted in a recent past, but I know that you don't like to talk about like psychology things and digging down the dead dogs and stuff. I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know what I like and I don't, I guess my students know more about what I like and I don't <laughs> like, I don't keep track of that. So what is it that I don't like? That in... Five years ago, I had um, like a bipolar episode. And bipolar, it's, uh, okay. An episode, all right. Yeah. Psychotic like, break, I know what they're talking about. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And it started uh, by me feeling that I was climbing a mountain, a feeling mountain. And I got excited and it led to uh, delusions of grandeur and stuff like that. So I don't want to get... Oh, I don't... okay. Well, here's the point then. That was delusions of grandeur. Mm-hmm. We're talking about developing real grandeur. Mm-hmm. It's the not delusional that... like it is. In, uh, and the reason that we can say that is because in the bipolar, the, um, the grandiose or the um, uh, delusions of grandeur are now followed 
by delusions of falling off or mm -hmm. going into hell. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they used to call it manic depressive. Mm -hmm. Okay. The manic is the delusion of the grandeur. And then the depressive is the delusion of being a victim again. Mm -hmm. So the delusions of I can do it, followed by the delusions I can't do it. Those are the two bipolars. Mm -hmm. The thing also is that, like, uh, out of experiencing intense emotions, like the metaphor I would use is that I ran too much voltage through my wiring. And Perhaps. <laughs> right. <laughs> or so, we could also just say that it was delusional that you had talked yourself into it without developing the skills. No, but also physically, I, I feel like uh, I'm more prone to developing tension out of excitement than than other people. Like, for example, when I play video games, just when I play 20, 30 minutes, I'm all tensed up, even though I'm playing right and, and winning and stuff. Well, that yeah. happens with everyone. Uh, for one thing, those kind of games have a timing aspect to it. That even games that don't have a timing aspect to it, they still put timing aspects to it. An example of that would be playing chess. Take your time and figure out what you need to do, but you got to watch the clock. Because you got to play the whole game and you know, in a time you got 10 seconds or 15 seconds so, uh, to make the move or whatever like that. Also, if you're playing a, a kind of game that is a mental exercise like Sudoku or maybe uh, Solitaire, they still want to time the game. How long did it take you to do it? That's because of our society. You got to get it done quickly. So now we can say, oh, well, I can play that game, but I don't have to play it according to the clocks. The clock is not my boss here. And so I can play that Sudoku game and get it right. And then practice getting it right over and over again. And then our ability to get it quick begins to develop. So the you, thing to do think is that's to all get it to, to the timing aspect. Right. So the thing of it is, is though, is get your success and get it correctly. Never mind the time that it takes. And once we develop getting it right, getting it correct, game after game after game, we begin to get to the point that now we can speed things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is exactly why Tai Chi is actually part of martial arts. Because any good martial art will practice their katas in slow motion. We slow things down and get it right. We even do that with, with music on the piano. That we can't play it up to speed, so we slow it down and get it right. And we do it right over and over and over again so that we begin to program the mind to get it right. Then we can speed things up. But the kids, they start playing games, and it doesn't matter how good they are. They're just trying to do it fast. And so that's what happens with Westerners when they come to meditation. In fact, there's a joke about it. And the joke is, uh, actually, it's a Christian joke. 
And that is, oh, Lord, please give me patience. Right, bloody now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're the irony in that. Oh, Lord, give me patience now. I want it now. I want patience right now. <laughs> what, they re- what we really want is sati right now. Right. And really is what we need is we need success. Take the time that it takes to get success, and we let that start to build. Mm-hmm. One success after another success after another success after another success. Yeah. One wholesome thought after another wholesome thought of success, over and over and over again, mm-hmm. until it's readily available, and not something that you have to load up to to access. Right, it's not something that you're going to. It's something that you're at right now. Mm-hmm. Success. So keep practicing success. Got it. I could do this. What can I do? I can gladden the mind and throw those hindrances out and come back to this present moment. Success. Here we are. The job that needed to be done has just been done. What was that? Coming out of our mental states, coming out of the past and the future, and coming right joyfully into this present moment. Mm-hmm. Practice that over and over and over again. until we Just get one, one last question regarding... <laughs> Uh, A hard B instead of A equals B. Uh huh. Right. Um, like the way I, I mm, do it is, right now is um, knowing that the mind can only hold one mind object at at the time. That's B. Human minds are like that. Just mm-hmm. like a computer can only execute one instruction at a time. Mm-hmm. So the mind object would be B, like the the exterior, and A is the the interior, right? And um, like the heart would be like a feeling of um, getting nurturing. soft, uh-huh, of nurturing. Nurturing. Goo goo gaga. I got it. Oh, you're such a beautiful baby, and you don't even have to put up makeup. You're just beautiful, okay? That's another way of thinking of it. Okay, okay. Um, my interior nurtures the exterior, and it's also the other way around. I, mm-hmm. like, I imagine it the other way around. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, we can think of it in the sense of ego states, that the parent ego state criticizes. And then the child ego state within us responds to that with a feeling. So if we have a a critical thought like this is hard or uh, the mind wandered away from again, uh, the mind wandered away again, this is hard work or I don't like it. Okay. But the nurturing was, ah, the mind wandered away again. There it is. I saw that. Okay, so that thought is a nurturing thought. Uh-huh. Okay, but and then... that nurturing thought for, that you, that substituted the critical thought. Now we're having a nurturing thought, and that nurturing thought, the child within us, responds to that nurturing like, yeah, 
Yeah, it's okay. okay. There's a, so. a difference uh, in what you're saying that I think it's better. Uh, you said the mind. So the mind is B and A is the, like the, the one. Feelings, yeah. Okay, you talked about it in a, uh, the West is really big on heart and mind. Uh-huh. Right? The mind and the heart. Are you going to follow your mind or are you going to follow your heart? Well, most of the people are taught to follow their heart, which means follow your instincts, which do it the way you feel. And we were taught to feel bad. So when we follow the heart, we're following our instincts, we're just following it right into hell. But when we nurture the mind, or let's say we have nurturing thoughts, then the child within, the feeling part of us, begins to feel comfortable and safe and secure. When we are criticizing ourselves inside, we feel unsafe, insecure, uncomfortable, got a job to do, someplace to go, something that needs to be done. And thinking that way, there's no A and B, though. It's like the mind nurturing the mind. Precisely so, or the mind nurturing the heart. Or in the Pali, actually, there's two kinds of mind. One is the Manu, and the other one is the Chitta, or the Sitta. Like Dhamma Nupasana, Chitta Nupasana, Veda Nupasana. Mind and the mind objects. The mind and the mind objects, okay. But here, we're actually thinking of the feelings that are associated with the mind. The way that you feel in the body is because of chemicals that were released in the mind. Okay, except that I'm pointing in the wrong place. I'm pointing <laughs> here when in fact I should be pointing. Yeah, in the hippotalamus. Right. right, that's where the uh, uh, pituitary and the penile glands are. That's where all of that feeling comes from. So if we have critical thoughts, then we're going to be, uh, respond to those critical thoughts by having critical criticized feelings and if we have nurturing thoughts then we're going to then have nurtured feelings okay so we can in fact say that there's a dialogue going on one is using discursive thought and the other one is using feeling as their mode of communication that when you experience fear you're not thinking fear you're experiencing fear. And then you'll think about, well, what am I afraid of? But the actual fear itself and the experience of fear does not take any thought at all. Or a better way of saying it is, is that that is a thought. Yeah. I can understand that because uh, I I have the habit of talking with my cats and it's like you talk in tones. Like, you know. <laughs> okay. And so uh, with an animal then, that if you are rough with that animal, if you are loud with that animal, if you're punishing of that animal, then the animal will respond as a victim to you. And that victim may in fact get angry and vicious and violent because it's, it feels on the attack. But if you're nurturing the animal, then the animal will come close it feels good and comfortable. Okay, so 
Look at it like that, that there's an animal inside of you. In fact, human beings, they don't like it. The Christians really hate it. They've got this anti-evolutionary kind of thing, but if you understand things correctly, you are an animal. So why don't we train our own minds the way that we would train a pet? Okay, we train our pets, we nurture them, we cuddle them, scratch the dog's back, scratch behind his ears. We want the, the dog to feel very pleasant. So we do things to make the dog pleasant. And when they finish making the dog feel good and nurtured and all that, then we go and we criticize ourselves <laughs> instead of nurturing ourselves too. Mentally kind of scratch yourself behind the ears. Give yourself a back rub. Nurture yourself. That's what we're getting at, is to be able to nurture yourself so that that very primitive animal uh, reptilian brain that the human carries around, that source of fear and anxiety and anger, we can make it feel very comfortable. And that comfort is what we're looking for. So we go for safety, security, comfort. We're rubbing the dogs back and make them feel very, very comfortable, very safe and secure. Dog doesn't have to bark right now. He can just lay and maybe wag his tail and give you a great big smile, that kind of thing. So we need to practice that of nurturing ourselves, nurturing our mind. Everything is okay, which means that we need to nurture even when the hindrance comes up. When the hindrance of the mind comes up, oh, I see you. Okay. I'm doing it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, following along with the pet theory, let us say that while you're scratching the uh, the dog's back, you find a tick. Do you punish the dog? Do you beat the dog because it's got a tick? Or do you continue to love and rub the dog and make it feel really good? And then you, while he's not looking, you pull that tick off. Okay, but we don't hate the dog because it's got a tick, but we do remove the tick because we know that it'll make the dog sick. So the same thing we do with our mind is we rub and we massage and we pet and we scratch and all of that really nurturing kind of stuff. And when an unwholesome thought comes up, we just say, oh, that's just a tick. Never mind. Throw it out. We're going to go back and nurture some more. Nurture, nurture, nurture over and over again. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. No work to do. No place to go. I've got this wire. <laughs> hey, I'm the champion here. Yeah. Okay. I've got this. Okay. I think I got it. Uh-huh. Right. So that heart symbol about me and the dog. I'm not equal to the dog. I'm not less than a dog. I'm not bigger or greater than the dog. Oh, I'm the human, and that's just the dog. No, we have that heart symbol. I love the dog. Mm -hmm. It's dog um, like by, by knowing that I'm not the body, I can treat the body as my pet. Yeah, exactly. A pet. 
I normally use the word it's a toy to play with, but right now we're talking about it in the sense that, yeah, the body's a pet. Take care of it. Nurture it. Love yeah, it. Like, like the emotions I feel is its way of communicating with me. Precisely. That's what the feelings are. It's that the body's way of talking to you. And I communicate back to it with my attitude. And you communicate back to it with your attitude. And right now, the attitude is nurturing. Mm -hmm. I could do this. You're yeah. okay. All right, just like you are. And the attitude is not just a generic thing, but I can like watch a feeling and apply an attitude to it. And that will have a consequence in the whole body. You got it. Exactly so. Okay. <laughs> so this thought gives this voice, which gives this action, which gives this habit, which gives this destiny. Okay. Manifest your own destiny. And you're destined to be on top of your own world. Okay. Got it. Arrived. <laughs> no place to go, literally. No place to go in. The job is done. Okay, I think <laughs> I, I won't sleep for a while, but <laughs> it'll be nice. Well, as you go to sleep tonight, get under the covers and say, wow, this is so nice. Oh, wow. Just laying in bed with no place to go and nothing to do it. I feel so got it. I got it success. Wow, that was a good one, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's finish this call, man. This has been quite amusing. I've really enjoyed this, and I'm really glad to see that great big smile. I mean, you look like the Joker with a painted on grin. It's that big. <laughs> yeah. From ear to ear. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yes. You're a champion, Eric. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Well, you know how it's going to go. So when you say, I'll see how it goes, that means I'm going to see it as it does go. This is it. We got it. That's confidence. Let's see how it's going. <laughs> Certainly, I'm going to see how it's going. It's going just right. <laughs> this is good enough. Yeah, I think I fell a bit back in, into doubt, but it's because of that thing that I, I don't want to change too quickly and stuff. But I, eh, I'll, it'll go. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to have any doubts. You know you can do this. Yeah. So when that doubt arises, you can say, hey, I've got this wired. I can do this. Um, what about cra crash landings? 
Oh, we can talk about that other time. Well, the answer to that yeah. is, is that it wasn't a crash until you started heading down. Can you see it? I mean, you see these master, uh, uh, these uh, master pilots that will take their jet and head it right into the ground. And within 100 feet of the ground, they pull it back up again. All right, you don't have to crash. Crash is when you're afraid that you're going to crash. You see that thing going right straight down and says, oh, no, poor me, I'm about to. And then you do. But you can catch it. And you can say, hey, I see this heading south. Never mind, start again. I don't have to crash. See the crash coming. And then pull that stick. Or if you do crash, enjoy that. Say, look how I got myself into this mess. Mm-hmm. Then we pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and boogie on down the trail. Then why do you call it a crash anyway? Why don't you call it a loop-de-loop? <laughs> yeah. I think, think uh, magic, whatever. Yeah, the crash was just the thought that you were having, and you don't have to crash. You say, "Wow, no, I caught that thought. I'm glad I didn't have to crash. I caught that one." Yeah, I, I guess like the doubt there was um, how to function socially and stuff, but it's something that I'll um, decide and pick up on the way. I guess. Well, socially, when you get your heart right, when the mind and heart are correct, then your relationship with others for and against is forgotten. Lao Tzu had it like this, that when the shoe fits, then the foot is forgotten. When the heart is right, for and against are forgotten. So that's how you deal with others, with nurturing. Nurture them the way you nurture you. They'll act with you like you're their best friend because they get very little nurturing from other people. You go around not nurturing each other. But in fact, when I remember it very well when I was a young adult and a teenager, it actually came to a point of making a conscious decision about it that I would not under any circumstances, compliment anyone for anything. Wouldn't do it. Why? Because I felt victimized, and if I compliment somebody else, I'm immediately putting them better than me. And so I couldn't bring myself to be able to compliment people. Guess what? I was able to change that. Now I nurture my students, just like now. I'm nurturing you and giving you a gift. So you can do that too. You can change that. Start complimenting people. Start giving them the gift of nurturing. Hey man, you're okay. That's how you deal with society. Is with that heart symbol we talked about. But you can't do it with them if you can't do it within your own mind. So let's practice well and get that going so that we get into the habit of nurturing. Then there's no other way to deal with anyone other than nurturing them. 
Um, my my pulse accelerated a, a bit. Is that normal? Um, I used to work worry about that a long, long time ago. Why did the Buddha call it Anapanasati? Why didn't we call it uh, uh, heart muscle sati? The answer to that is we cannot consciously control our heartbeat. Anapana is heart muscle? Yeah, you can. I thought it was breathing. Right, that's the whole point. That's what I'm making. The point is, is the Buddha did not teach mindfulness of pulse. Oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't teach mindfulness of pulse. We don't have any way of controlling that. That's part of the reason why I think it's amusing when so many meditation teachers in the West say, don't control the breath. And the only point about Anapanasati is learn to control things. Control your breathing. Get your breathing in a really beautiful state. Get your mind. Control it. Get the mind out of that gutter, out of the uh, victimhood, out of the not liking, out of the criticism, and bring it into the nurturing. Bring it into everything is okay, everything is fine, no work to do, no place to go. The spring comes and the grass goes by itself. Isn't that marvelous? Start concentrating or, or repeating that stuff about how great things really are. These is marvelous. In order to make the the distinction between the thinker and the body, the mind has to be really quiet. Like if I try to do that, the pet thing, if I'm like altered and stuff, it, it won't work if I'm not skilled enough, right? Well, we need to get the mind trained well enough, and the only way that we can train it is by starting with very, very simple training. No one walks into the gym first day and bench presses 200 pounds. Nobody does that. We have to start with the very, very simple things. That's why we want to get into seclusion, get the mind quiet so that we can begin to train it. Once we've got it trained, we can handle the noise pretty well now. We need to start quiet. We can't lift heavy, but after we get into the training, then we actually are seeking out things to help us train. Example is when we get sick, that's an opportunity to train. Not for the beginner, because they don't have the skills yet to be able to train so we want to start by making the thing as quiet as we can, but we still do that in the sense that it's not going to be completely quiet, but we are going to have one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought. Nurturing, building that confidence, building that attitude, I can do this. This feels good. I like it is all right. Everything's all right. Everything is fine. Not a word. I've got this wired. I can do this. And the way I decide where to or how to direct and distribute my attention is where it's called the most, like, like where are the most, um, where are the sensations that are calling me? Like, more noticeable. Right. One by one as they occur. 
whatever is happening, we see it and we note it well as it comes. We're mm -hmm. there for it. But it's what, what I uh, don't understand about that is that if I decide to focus on one place, it, it many things will occur, occur there. Like the way I distribute my attention also influences the way things occur. So uh, what you're saying is that I should like keep a general body awareness. Yeah, exactly. That a whole lot is happening. That in fact, that's one of the problems with the teaching about concentration. That we learned about concentration when the teacher or the mommy was telling us to do our homework. Concentrate. But what they really mean is do the first example, then you do the next arithmetic, then you do the next one, then you do the next one, and then you do the next one. It's the rep repetition. But okay, what so we do is we get, oh, I'm supposed to do one thing, and we try to tighten it down. Uh huh. So it's like general attention and focus in on something, relax it, uh, blah, 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 face it away, then general again, and then blah, 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 like that. Okay. With within um, electronics or uh, electrical engineering, there is a quality that they call the signal to error ratio, the signal to noise ratio. Okay. So the signal is what we're intending to work with. And then the noise is everything else. And basically what we're beginning to do is we're beginning to pay attention to the noise as signal also. Mm -hmm. Okay, that we begin to pay attention to that also. Whatever it is that's happening, let's pay attention to that. You're saying that that, that could also be said, there's always a foreground and a background. And when the foreground loses its like um, strength or vitality, then the background becomes the foreground or something like Actually, that? Actually, I would say no, in the sense that one things happen one by one. The human mind does one thing after another after another. So basically what we're saying is, is that whatever thought you're having now is the foreground. And then the next thought after that, we used to call background, but yet now it's just the new thing in the foreground. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll, okay. I'll play with that. I, I don't think I can understand it more right. right now. <laughs> well, let us say it like this, that you've got somebody behind you that's talking, but you're paying attention to the dude in front of you, and then, we stop and we pay attention to the guy behind us. That's why we think of it as foreground and background, but really the foreground was here and now the foreground is here. Mm -hmm. Now the foreground is here and now the foreground is there. But how do I decide or, yeah, what's the criteria for making one that? One by one as they occur. Huh? So right. the guy in front of me stops talking and then out of, like, you stop listening. Uh-huh. And the next and thing is then, then you come back and listen to this one and then you come back to that one. But what happens is is that we get lost in the sense we're paying attention to this one, then we pay attention to that one, and then this one over here and that one over there, and we never return. So the pay that we're going to practice is this, now this, now this, now that, now this, now that, now this, 
now that over there, now this, now that one, now this, and back again like that. And so things keep coming back, but uh, to, to interrupt our focus, but we keep bringing the focus back. Okay. Remember to keep coming back to that happy breath, that wholesome thought. Okay, I think we can pick up here next time. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. You got it, okay? You can do this. I know you can do it. Without a doubt. No more doubts. Okay. <laughs> uh, when that doubt comes by, oh, sorry, you don't, you're not, you, you need not apply. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Keep coming back out of that doubt into I can do this. I've got the knowledge and vision that this practice that we're doing right now is the path. And it's the only thing that is the path. We know what is the path and what is not the path. Getting distracted, getting worried, getting going into the past or the future is not the path. What is the path? Got it. Remember to take a look, to throw the whatever it is out, and then you're left with, got it, success. Practicing that over again, I've got this, I've got it. I can do this. This is good, I've got it. Right now I'm doing the, you know, here, now here, now here. I think I'll, I'll do that non-verbally. But I'll tell you how it went next time. Excellent. We'll see you later. Yeah.